Afternoon, everyone. It is uh, the morning of March 9th, 2023. Uh, this is episode one of the Men's Mental Health Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brooks. My cousin Nick, my co-host, unfortunately uh, won't be able to join me on this one as he's got some prior obligations to take care of. Uh, so I'll take the opportunity to uh, talk about myself for a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe we'll hit a, hit a topic uh, dealing with men's mental health. Um, but a little bit about me. I am a 33-year-old dad to two boys. My oldest is 14 and my youngest is a year and a half. Um, recently single, uh, as of a few months ago. Uh, maybe get into that later. Uh, things are still pretty fresh and still dealing with some things. So yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about some things I've went through in my life. Um, you know, I manage a company, uh, so you know my my life is stressful and hectic sometimes. Um, and there are times where you know my mental health has suffered. Uh, you know, whether it be emotional or mental because you know you, you get beat down you get stressed you get tired uh, and things just tend to to bring you down um, you know I I've noticed that when I don't get enough sleep or I don't get enough rest that uh, you know I get sick or at least I get sick easier um, and you know that's the that's the same way for your emotional health uh, if you don't take time to take care of your emotional health, um, it gets worse. And it's pretty important that we take care of our emotional health as men. Um, because, you know, in society we are looked at as, you know, and it, it not as much now as being the sole provider in a household. Uh, but, you know, as being the provider and the protector. Um, you know, I, I know that times are different and, you know, not everyone has the ability to be, you know, the breadwinner in the house. Uh, times are tough and things are expensive. Um, you know, I, food, gas, prescriptions, you know, things are outrageous. And thinking about how you're going to provide for all those things for your family uh, can be stressful and it can take its toll on you. You know, you, you, stress yourself out and you worry about how am I going to buy groceries this week or how am I going to pay the mortgage or, you know, little Timmy needs new shoes or wants to play a new sport and it costs money or whatever, you know, when you start to worry about those things, it really starts to bring you down. And I, I want to touch on that um, and then I'll touch a little bit about, you know, building up our, our next generation of men, our, you know, our kids. Uh, so stress at home and stress at work, um, they really shouldn't intermingle. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take your problems that you're having at home to work and you really should try to avoid taking your problems from work home. You know, when the wife or, you know, husband or whoever, your partner, 
asked you how your day was and you know you you just you had such a rough day you don't want to talk about it that's okay but understand that you probably do need to talk about it uh, with somebody Um, because talking about how you're feeling and what you're thinking can be very cathartic Um, it can make you feel a lot better Uh, it can lift some weight off of your shoulders uh, and take away some of that burden that you're carrying with you because you feel that you don't want to put the burden on somebody else Um, being able to to speak to somebody and being comfortable enough to speak to somebody about how you're feeling or what you're thinking um, is a big step for a lot of people uh, myself included you know, there are only certain people I'm willing to open myself up to. Um, you know, my best friend and my mom are my two best therapists. Uh, besides the one that I pay for. Uh, that's, you know, that's another topic we'll get into one day is therapy. But, uh, you know, you should really take the time to find somebody you trust, um, to talk to and you know I've always believed that at least the adage that a listening ear is a running mouth Um, and that is true not always and not in every circumstance Um, there are genuine people who you can talk to about things that aren't going to go and tell your business to other people Um, and you should lean on those people and allow them to lean on you too um You know, finding a friend who is a man that you could talk to these things about is probably more beneficial because as men, we tend to understand each other as far as what we're going through. Um, You know, there are some exceptions to the rule that, you know, the guys that are, you know, financially set or, you know, the, the burdens of life aren't as heavy on them, so they may not have had the same experiences. Um, but, you know, as fathers and as you know, husbands and boyfriends and whatever, uh, we tend to have a lot of the same worries. Um, you know, how are they doing? How are we going to do this? What if, what if, what if? And those what ifs can drive you crazy. So bouncing what you're feeling and what you're thinking off of another person who's probably shared those same thoughts and concerns uh, and can give you some advice as to what they did and how they got through it can help um understand that your emotional and mental health as a man is of the utmost importance when it comes to having a family um and you might disagree with me and that's okay um but your family suffers when you're not of sound mind um and how i'll explain that is is you know, there's always those people, you know, when you're having kind of a just an in a day, who are like, are you okay? You doing good? And they're checking on you. And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just tired or it's been a long day or whatever. Those people are people who can see a difference in you, whether it's a facial expression or, you know, you're not as joking as you normally are or you're not as happy or you're just not yourself and that that 
comes back to your family, you know, when you get home to the wife and the kids, they see those things too. And your emotional state of mind towards the day, even if it's just a one-off day, you know, where you just had a rough day at work, you know, some things went wrong, or you were in a meeting and the meeting didn't go as well as you hoped, uh, and you know, it kind of brings your day down, uh, those kinds of things can ruminate with your family, you know, your kids might pick up on that, you're having a bad day, and you know, come love on you, because they know. You don't have to tell them, they know. That's, you know, they come and, you know, give you hugs, and tell you they love you, and you know, they missed you, and you know, they're trying to make you feel better because that's what families do, you know. Regardless of, you know, if you got in a fight with your brother yesterday, no matter what, he's always going to be your brother, and if you need him, he's going to be there. The same rings true with your children and your significant others. You know, they love you and they care about you. They don't want to see you sad. And that's why I say, you know, your mental health is of the utmost importance when it comes to your family. Because the last thing you want to do is for your family to worry about, is he okay? Is he going to be okay? What's he thinking? Why is he acting that way? Talk about how you're feeling and what you're going through. It's healthy. You know, I know society tells us that we're supposed to be these, you know, powerful, you know, beings where nothing can hurt us and our emotions are in check and we don't cry and we don't get sad and, you know, nothing can defeat us. And that's just ridiculous. It's not true. You know, I, I know that there are men out there who, you know, will put on the appearance that, oh, well, they don't cry. Okay. You know, they don't, they don't feel sad or they don't let things bother them or nothing can get to them. Okay. Crying is normal. Feeling sad is normal. Anger is absolutely normal. You know, I'm pretty guilty of that one myself. Um, but it's okay. You know, if you're one of those people where you don't want to let people see you cry, that's okay. Um, you know, I often tell people, I am not a therapist by any means, uh, but I often tell people when, you know, they tell me that, you know, they're having a rough day and, you know, they just don't know what to do. Go sit in your car and fucking scream. Just scream and yell until you feel better. You know, get yourself away from everybody. That way they don't see it and handle it. Because, you know, yelling and screaming can make you feel better. It can be cathartic too. But you don't want to isolate yourself completely. You know, you need to have somebody you can turn to. To talk about the things that you need to deal with that yelling and screaming in your car alone don't handle. Um, you know, my biggest help when I'm dealing with shit is talking. You know, the more I talk about it, the faster I deal with it. Um, it really... It really does help deal with a lot of those those feelings of, you know, whether they're anger or sadness. Talking about it uh, really does help bring me back to who I normally am. Um, you know, 
not dealing with your emotions and feelings can put you into, you know, a dark place, whether it be depression or, mo well, usually depression for most people. Um, it's not a good place to be. Um, you know, my, my grandfather uh, suffered from bipolar disorder. Uh, my dad uh, suffers with depression. I fortunately en enough have so far within my life been able to avoid both of those. And I'm not saying that I don't get feelings of being depressed. Because, you know, feelings of being depressed are normal. You know, you feel down. You know, oh, you know, it was a rough day or, you know, it's cloudy and rainy and it, it's just shitty out. You know, th those are normal feelings. I'm talking about s states of mind where you can't dig yourself out where everything feels hopeless and you feel helpless and you're just, you have no self-worth, you hate yourself. If you have ever told yourself that you are better off dead or alive or people would be better off without you, you're wrong. I am here to tell you that if you've ever had those thoughts, you are wrong. I guarantee there is a handful of people within your life who would tell you you are wrong, that they love you, that they care about you, that they only want the best things possible in life for you, and that they will do anything to help make sure that you are happy and okay and safe and alive. You know, I, several years ago, lost one of the best friends I've ever had in my life who was like a brother to me to suicide and he was depressed I feel like um, you know we had lost touch for several years and I'll get into that you know on another day because uh, I do want to get into this more um, but don't ever think that well, he was in a depressed state of mind due to some things that went on in his life. And he thought that the best decision for him to make and for the people in his life was to take his own. And I promise you, I was at the funeral. I was at the wake. And there was not a dry eye in that place because he had touched so many people in his life. And there were so many people who loved him and cared about him and were hurt at the fact that he took his own life. You know, I was once one of those people who said, oh, I don't cry at funerals. I'm here to tell you I do. You know, um, I hadn't cried at a funeral up until that day at his. Uh, I couldn't tell you the last time. It was probably my great-grandmother's funeral, and I was five then but I cried that day because I lost my I lost a brother I lost one of my best friends you know a very seemingly happy and charismatic person who loved to have fun and joke and you know bullshit with people you know he didn't know a stranger and those are usually the people we need to worry about most is those who always put on a good front that nothing's ever wrong because usually they're trying to hide 
what's really going on. And I'm not saying it's not okay to hide some things because, you know, maybe you're not ready to talk about certain things. That's okay. But if you ever have the thoughts or the feelings that people would be better off without you, you're wrong. You know, I didn't start or I didn't have the idea of this podcast or want to start it because I don't care. Because I do. You know, I went, I've gone through shit in my life and went for resources to help. And there's nothing. Well, next to nothing. You know, there are some. You know, there's some Facebook groups and then, you know, there's some other podcasts out there, I'm sure, that kind of help address these things. But none that helped me. Um, there are people out there who love you and care about you and they want to see you tomorrow. They want to see you the day after that. They care about what happens to you. You know, don't ever think that the world is better off without you because I can promise you it's not. And if you don't believe me, ask people how they would feel if you weren't here anymore. And I guarantee, one, they're going to tell you that they love you and they care about you. And they're going to ask you what's going on, why you would ask something like that. Because they care. You know, I think that's one of the, the biggest flaws we have in society right now is we don't care enough about people we don't know. You know, uh, homeless people, you know, unless they're sitting on a street corner outside a gas station panhandling for money... They're out of sight, out of mind, and we don't think about them. You know, what's to say that those people aren't suffering mentally as well? And, I mean, to be honest, a lot of them probably are. You know, whether they do suffer from some kind of, you know, mental medical condition or, you know, maybe they just have let themselves slip so far that they feel that they can't claw their way back, but it's possible. You know, it's, it's always... It's always possible to bring yourself back from the brink. You need to you need to fight yourself, well, fight your way out of the darkness and back into the light. Um, you know, just remember that trees and flowers don't grow in darkness, they grow in light. And it's the same way with you. You know, you're never going to grow as a person if you continue to let yourself live in those dark mental places. Um... You know, you need to you need to do something to bring yourself back from those places. Um, and you know, for me, it was talking to people. Um, another big one for me is music. Um, you know, I I am not a I have a wide range of genres that I like. Country being number one for me. You know, I'm, I'm a country kid. But, you know, find music that fits your mood at that time and just listen to it. You know, you'd be surprised at, you know, how even without the lyrics, the music itself can have a great bearing on your emotions and how you're feeling. And, you know, make you feel a little bit better because 
you know, it, music is one of those things where it reaches everybody, and it reaches all of us differently. Um, but getting back to the original point of, you know, mental health being of the utmost importance within your family is your children. Um, and originally I was going to dedicate that to just your sons, but I'm not. Um, your sons, it is important to give them an example of what a man is supposed to be. Um, to let the, to build them to be successful, honest, caring men later in life. But also for your daughters. So they know how they're supposed to be treated. You know, if your daughter sees you being treated like shit, you know, by a girlfriend or by their mother, whether it's your wife or fiance or whatever, your daughter's going to think that that's acceptable. And your son will too. That it's acceptable for a man to be pushed around and walked on. And it's not. You should have a clear voice within your relationship. Um, your daughters are going to, you know, if you're, the, if you're the man who is constantly angry and treats your significant other like shit, your daughter and son are going to think that that's okay, and it's not, because your partner should be able to have a clear voice within the relationship. You know, I like to think that my children are a reflection of me. You know, my oldest knows he's supposed to say please and thank you, and yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, all, you know, he's 14 years old, so he does try to push the boundaries from time to time. Which is normal. He's a teenager. And he knows what's expected of him. He knows that if he goes to stay at his best friend's house on the weekend, that he is supposed to be respectful while he's there. Especially towards the best friend's parents because his mother and I raised him that way but more importantly because he knows that I'll be disappointed if if anything else but happens and your children should know what is expected of them at an early age you know we we teach our children when they learn to talk no, no, don't touch that. That's hot. Please and thank you. And things like that are taught as well. And you're teaching your children at those times. You're imprinting on them your values and what's important. Um, but you're also teaching them respect. When you tell your children, no, no, don't touch that. And they don't and they don't continue to go after it, it means they understand. You've imprinted that it's important that they listen to what you say. They understand that if they don't, there might be a consequence for that action. Again, you're imprinting your ideals on your children. The same goes for when they go to school. You know, you want your kids to 
go into school and, you know, pass every class and be the straight-A student and be on honor roll and be the, the model student. I'm here to tell you I was not. My entire elementary experience in life was a constant struggle. Um, I wasn't diagnosed with uh, ADD and ADHD until I was in the fourth grade. Um, my mom fought tooth and nail to make sure that, you know, I did my homework and passed. Um, you know, I did fail the second grade uh, and had to repeat it. That was not an enjoyable experience as a kid for, you know, my friends who went on to third grade and say, well, why are you in such and such as class again? Well, I failed. You know, that's not a good feeling as a kid to tell your best friend that, oh, I won't get to see you every day because I've been held back. So it's important to imprint on your children what's expected of them, you know, when they're in the home and when they're out of the home. Um, school being a very important part of that, you know, you don't want the principal to be calling and telling you that little Susie or little Johnny is in the office again because they were horsing around in class. It's embarrassing as a parent when you have to be called in from work to go pick up your child because they've been kicked out of class or they've been kicked out of school because they don't behave. You know, oftentimes we see these kids in Walmart who scream and yell and I'm not talking about a two-year-old or a three-year-old or even a four-year-old I'm talking about six seven eight nine ten some teenagers throwing fits and tantrums in the store because their mom or dad tells them no that they can't have something I'm sorry that's ridiculous if you're one of those parents you need to change your style your child needs to understand that when you tell them no it means no that it is not okay to throw a fit in the middle of the grocery store because they don't get their way. That's not acceptable. When we go to the store, my kids know, well, my oldest knows, that he can ask, but once he's told no, that's it. If I say yes, it's a yes. But he also understands that asking has limits. You know, if, if you ask for this, 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 and this, and I say yes, chances are I'm not going to say yes again because you've already gotten quite a bit. And they need to be able to accept the word no because guess what? Life is going to throw them with a lot, it hit them with a lot of no's. No, you can't have this. No, you can't have that. No, you can't have that. No, you can't do that. Life is not full of, yeah, go ahead, do what you want. And if you don't believe me, well, I guess you haven't done a whole lot with your life. Life is not full of people who just give shit away. Life doesn't just give you everything that you need to survive and to live. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. You know, you parents out there who have the ability to buy and give your children everything that they ask for, and you do that, you're doing them a disservice. Because later in life, they're going to discover that life is not this way. They have to work for what they want. You know, uh, 
my parents, I was lucky enough to have both of them for the majority of my childhood. Uh, well, all of my childhood. They were together for the majority of my life. Fortunately, both of them are still here. I was fortunate enough that my mom was able to be a stay-at-home mom. I feel that my sister and I benefited uh, tremendously from that. Um, and, you know, I do believe there are areas where it may have done us a little bit of disservice as far as socialization with other kids because we didn't go to, you know, daycare or a babysitter or things like that. But we were fortunate enough that our mom was home every day when we got home from school. My dad was a blue-collar worker, stonemason, for 30 years. He went to work every day, and the days that he didn't were because his job was weather-dependent. You know, when it's negative 10, it's not a very good time to throw some mortar on a piece of stone and stick it to a wall because the water in it's going to freeze before it dries. And when it falls, it's going to fall. So there were times where my dad didn't work for weeks and I watched my parents struggle financially to do things. Um, I've watched my dad work his entire life, my entire life anyways. And I learned a lot of my work ethic from my dad that you don't get what you want by sitting on your ass. And I'm trying to teach my sons the same thing. You know, some people might say, oh, you work too much. You need to spend more time at home. Yeah. Yeah, I do work a lot. I want to spend more time at home. But in order to pay for the things that my family wants and needs, I have to work. Unfortunately, I don't have a limitless bank account, and I can't just buy everything every time I want it. I would love to, but I can't. But I'm also teaching my sons a life lesson. You know, to pay for my mortgage, you know, I work a job where I put in a lot of hours every week. Or, you know, sometimes uh, I get woke up in the middle of the night to phone calls. Um, you know, sometimes if somebody calls off, I may have to work for them. You know, I can't make my truck payment. Well, if I don't make my truck payment, I'm not going to keep it very long. The bank's going to come back and get it. You know, we don't get to take that vacation if I don't work. And I think a lot of that is lost on people that you have to work for what you want. It's not just given to you. And I want my kids to understand that. That, yeah, you want an Xbox or you want a gaming PC. That's, that's fine. I, I will try my best to get you one for Christmas or a birthday. But I'm not just going to buy it for you because you want it. You know, it needs to be a birthday or Christmas. Or if, if you want it now, then I guess you're going to have to do some work to earn it. Because life doesn't just give you what you want. And my oldest is learning that right now. So, you know, as fathers or prospective fathers or uncles who may have a very active role in their nieces and nephews' lives, understand that you are a role model to these kids out here. 
that it's important that you set the right example for them and they understand what life is going to throw at them later. Because the last thing you want to do is set them up for failure. You want to set them up for success. And if you set them up believing that life is just going to give them what they want when they want it, they're going to fail. Um, you know, it's fairly common nowadays that kids live at home past 18. And, you know, kids that go to college, sure, I understand, you know, living at home because they, you know, they can't afford housing plus working to, you know, and going to school. It's totally understandable. But we have grown-ass men still living at their parents' house at 27, 28, 29, 30-plus years old, and mom and dad still support them. Why? Well, because the kid was never set up for success. He doesn't... His mom and dad have always supported him or her. So... When little Johnny says, oh, mom, can I have this? Or, oh, dad, can I have that? Remember, you're setting an example. You're setting a precedent for his future. You know, it's okay to buy them things every once in a while, randomly. But those big things, you know, the Xbox or, you know, if you have a teenager, their first car. You know, I, I had to pay part for my first car. You know, my dad said he would contribute X amount. He would, he would do match whatever I saved. So whatever I saved for my first car, he'd match up to a certain point. And that taught me a lot. You know, if I wanted a nice car, I had to save quite a bit of money to do that. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I saved a bunch of money and got a really nice car because I didn't. The lesson I learned was I spent too much money at that time and I got an okay car. And if you're curious, my first car at 16 years old was a 1986 Chevy Blazer. Um, the previous owner had put a Firebird motor in it. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I loved it. And about a year and a half after owning it, it broke down and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And I, I ended up having to sell it to a junkyard. And from there, you know, I, I relied on my parents to, you know, to take me to work. And I only worked at the grocery store a few minutes away in the town I lived in. But after that, you know, I... I still relied on my parents a lot. I'm, and by, don't think that I'm trying to preach that I'm the perfect son or I'm the perfect dad or the perfect person because I'm not. I, I'm telling everything from my point of view and maybe you'll find some something in it that helps. But, you know, I relied on my parents. You know, I went to a tech school for uh, carpentry. Um, and, you know, we, we, we didn't have my parents. I'm not going to say we because it was their money. My parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, and my mom didn't work. So it was up to me to make sure I got to tech school and home every day. You know, every once in a while I could bum a ride from a friend. 
but you know eventually your friends stop wanting you to bum they want you to you know help pay for the gas or you know maybe they have a scheduling issue like they're in sports at your home school or whatever and they can't so i ended up having to you know keep a job to pay for the gas to drive back and forth to school um i was fortunate enough that we did have a spare truck uh, that my dad let me use to drive back and forth to school uh but i still had to pay for the fuel in it uh, i still had to pay for my cell phone you know my dad was only willing to pay for so much uh, if i wanted to go see my girlfriend at the time i had to pay for the gas to get there and back and I'll admit that up until I was 28 years old, I was one of those guys who still lived at home. I lived with my dad. Um, there is a reason for some of it. You know, I, I did have a job where I traveled five days out of the week. And it made no sense for me to have an, an apartment or rent a house or buy a house if I was only living in it two days a week. Um and I, I bought my first home about a year and a half ago. Um, so that happened a lot later in my life than I would have liked for it to happen, but I'm a big believer that things happen when they're meant to. Um, rushing them into happening, I believe, only sets them up to fail. Um, and I believe that when it comes to my kids, and I believe that when it comes to your kids, that if you rush them into growing up, you don't let them experience their childhood. You know, they go into their, they go into adulthood and fail. You know, they, you have these kids that go out, you know, they're, they act like they're adults. And then when they become adults, they want to act like teenagers again. Um, you know, you have these young boys, you know, 19, 20, 21, maybe a little bit older that go out and want to party every night and get drunk. And, you know, they end up with DUIs or, heaven forbid, they end up in car accidents and die. Um, or you get the irresponsible ones that sleep with every girl that they can find and, you know, have a end up with a couple kids you know uh, teaching your kids responsibility that their actions have weight and they have consequences is important you need to set your kids up for success and as fathers as men as uncles it is important that we do that that we show that what they choose to do with their life has an impact so just think about that, you know, the next time, you know, you get you, your kid or your niece or your nephew pisses you off and you swear at them. Just think, do you want them to think that it's okay for people to swear at them? Do you want little Susie's boyfriend when she's a teenager? Do you want her to think that it's okay for him to call her a fucking bitch when he's mad at her? I can tell you how I would feel, and I would not be okay with that myself. So, think about that, you know, and really think about when 
think in the future when you're older and, you know, your kids are grown, they're adults. And you go back and you look and you're like, you know, there's, you know, little Susie and Johnny are so successful. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the adults that they are. I'm proud of the parents and, you know, the spouses that they are. You had something to do with that because you set them up for success. The last thing you want is to be in your 60s looking forward to retirement and little Johnny still living in your basement with his girlfriend and their kids. And don't get me wrong, I understand that things can happen. You know, someone can lose a job and, you know, have a hard time finding another one that supports the lifestyle that they're used to and maybe they live their home and they're between homes right now and, and you're helping them until they can get on their feet. That's okay. That's what... That's what you do when you love somebody. You help them. But you don't want to look back at, you know, your 32-year-old son who's lived in your basement his whole life. And now his girlfriend and their kids are still living there. That's not good for you because you're still supporting yourself and your kids. And you're not going to be able to retire and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Enjoy that retirement that you work so hard to build. All those years of getting up at 5, 6, 7, 8 a.m. and working till 5, 6, 7 at night. You won't get to enjoy that. So think about that when, when you're dealing with, your, with the youth of today. You know, and maybe your, your kids' friends when they come over. You know, maybe try and instill some sage words of advice. Or, you know, let them know that... Your home is always a safe space. If they ever need, you know, they're ever having a hard time at home or at school, that it's okay for them to come over and, and to talk. Or that if they ever need help, that it's okay to come to you. You know, I was lucky enough that, you know, my best friend, the one I considered my brother, his parents were those people. You know, if, if I ever needed a place to stay, I was always welcome. There was always a plate at the table for me. They were always there to listen if I needed them. You know, those are people I'm thankful for in my life. And I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I didn't have to go to them. You know, I, I my parents, you know, did right by me. And I thank God for that. You know, I'm... I'm thankful every day that I've been given the life that I have. Even with the struggles and the dark times, I'm thankful because I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, and I tend to be a pretty introspective person. And I see, I can see the flaws in myself. I can see the mistakes that I've made and where I can improve on myself. And I'm thankful I have that ability. And I'm thankful that I've made the mistakes in my life that I have because it helps me be a better person. It helps me be a better dad. It helps me be a better son, brother. And overall, ho hopefully, it will help me be a better boyfriend. Or fiance or husband one day. I'm not here because I want anyone to, you know, feel bad for me. Please don't. 
I'm happy with the way my life is. You know, in those moments of trial, those hard times I'm not, but after I get through them, I am because they build me into a better person. And I want the same for anyone else who comes to this podcast and listens. I want better for you. I want you to be in a mentally sound place where you're confident in yourself. You have self-esteem. You, you value yourself. You know what you deserve. You know what you want. And you don't accept anything less than that. So, I've been talking for just shy of an hour now. Um, I don't know if this episode's going to be the one that I pick for episode one or not. Um, I feel like it's gone better than the other ones I've recorded so far. I tend to stay on topic and not jump all over the place. But I hope that you'll come back for episode two and so on. Um, I hope you found value in my words. Um, and maybe if, you know, you can relate to some of the things I've talked about or maybe, you know, some of the situations I've touched on that I've went through a little bit that you, you find some value and some help and guidance in the words that I give. Uh, hopefully next episode, uh, Nick will be on here with me and it'll go a little bit smoother, you know, get another perspective on a lot of things. Um, if you don't mind, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast that way you're notified when episode two comes out. Um, I appreciate you listening and, you know, giving me a little bit of your time. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next one.